Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Come on, somebody say it's time to take over. It's time to take over. Listen, we're not bashful about that. We know God has created us from dominion, and we've been, we're week five in this series, and we started off talking about how that we are built for dominion, that God built us in such a way that we would be overcomers. Come on, and anything that was thrown at your way, that you'd be able to, to step over that. Come on, you'd be able to break that wall down. And we've just really been digging, digging around and, and, and following the Ark of the Covenant and kind of the, the journey that, that God placed his throne on the earth. Come on, we know that he's enthroned in our hearts right now, but how many know the Old Testament is, is, is Christ concealed? And so under the, the New Testament, we can look back at the Old Testament and see how God was moving and it all points to Jesus. And so we talked about that in creation, how that God created us for dominion. We talked about conquering fear and how the children of Israel were in the desert for 40 years because they were afraid and God had already promised them that, but they allowed fear to dictate where they went. And then we talked about when it was time for them to go over and cross over that Jordan River. Come on, and they moved in to that promised land. And last week we talked about Jesus in the battle of Jericho, right? It wasn't Joshua in the battle of Jericho. It was Jesus in the battle of Jericho. And they shouted and those walls came down. And, the, and at the center of it all was the presence of the Lord. And this week, I want to talk about off limits. Somebody look at somebody and say off limits. Off limits. So listen, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. I know we already have covered a lot, but we're going to cover a lot more. So the awesome story and the awesome victory at Jericho is that God had given them this city. I mean, it was, it was totally theirs, but he said, listen, I don't want you to take any plunder. It all belongs to me, all of it. You don't, you don't, you don't get to keep a dollar. You don't get to eat any of the bread, none of it. It all belongs to me. It's the first fruit city and it's sacred, right? And so it says this in Joshua chapter 7, this great victory, the thing that they had been waiting for generations for, they move into, and it says this in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, but the people of Israel broke faith. I mean, how can you break faith after all that waiting, after all that victory? He says, as they broke faith in regard to the devoted things, anything that was in that city belonged to the Lord. For Achan took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. <laughs> oh man, that's a scary place to be. I don't ever want the anger of the Lord burning against me. But the anger of the Lord was burning against them because of this one guy, just one. Out of all the children of Israel, just one guy did the wrong thing and he messed it up for everybody. Kind of sounds like another guy, right? Way back in Genesis, who did one thing and he messed it up for everyone, right? And it says this, if you will continue reading, it says that what he did made the children of Israel liable for destruction. All of them. One guy. 
And so what happens is, if you read the story, if you know the story, they, they go into this city called Ai, and it's the next city. It's next on the list. It's God's promise. And they go in, and they're easily defeated. And it wasn't because they underestimated their enemy. It's because one man took something that didn't belong to him. It belonged to the Lord. He didn't honor the Lord. He didn't fear the Lord. And so the whole children, and it says that in the scripture that they were all considered unfaithful because of one guy. And in our, in our American mindset, we, we think, though, that's, that's not fair. God only sees individuals. But that, that is actually a very poor lens to look through the scriptures because God always sees people as community, as family. And he, he wants the whole thing. Right? And listen, God has standards, and it's important. We love the grace of God. And today, today I, I, I want you to... I want you to view everything from the lens of, of where you mostly hear me preach from because today's gonna, gonna sound a little, a little harsh at moments. But, but understand the grace of God is, is beautiful and glorious and holy. Yeah. And we're all about that. But it is also important for us to remember that God has standards yeah. and that the Lord is serious about purity. He is serious about obedience. He is serious about us revering him as God. And when he says something, we go, oh, okay, Lord. Have you ever had the Lord, like, rebuke you? I mean, a rebuke, get, and get this, anytime the Lord rebukes us, it's always an invitation for us to go deeper. But I know that when I've had those moments where the Lord rebukes me, and, he's, and he usually doesn't even have to say, like, like, harsh things. He just speaks to something into my heart, and I'm like, oh. What is that? That's the fear of the Lord that I'm, that I'm feeling at that moment. I'm not afraid of God. I understand that, it's, that the Lord is pointing at something to say, I want you to come closer, but that is the thing that's keeping it from happening. So I'm not afraid to approach the Lord. What I'm afraid of is anything would hinder my approach to the Lord. That's, that, that's what I don't want to happen. And so what we do is we, we, we kind of lose the fear of the Lord and we, we just kind of go on and we, we go, well, the Lord's, the Lord's gracious and he's loving and he's forgiving. And, oh, you know, the, the grace of God. And we treat the grace of God as common. And we don't treat it like it's holy. And then we end up trapped in sin. And then we end up being numb to the Lord. And that's not where the Lord wants you. That's not where he wants you. And so it says the children of Israel were liable for destruction. This is the good news. Let's just start with the good news. Through the trespasses of one man, death reigned. Through that one man. But how much more of those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. It's a gift. Righteousness is a gift. It's not a work. There are works that come once you get the gift, but you can't be righteous on your own, but God's gift of righteousness will reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. So, so death reigned through the one man, messing up. Also, Achan is a picture of Christ because the death of one man, they were all made clean. So this guy had to die for the children of Israel to be considered clean. And so through Jesus' one death, we can all reign in life. You can reign. Listen, you can reign over sin. You can live over the power of sin in your life. 
Listen, we, we bought into this mindset. I don't know where we got it. Like God has a standard, but you can't reach it. That doesn't sound like a good God to have a standard that I could never reach. No, he has accomplished everything that you need in Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can live in victory over sin. You can say no to that bottle. You can say no to that needle. You can say no to your foul mouth. You can say no to your bad temper. You can say no. You have the power of Christ in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater. He's greater. He's more powerful than anything. He's more powerful than depression. We forget. Listen, it is time that we start taking sin serious. Because sin, listen, although God's grace is awesome and he gives you power over sin when we sin it's kind of like we push a domino and this is what happens things happen when you sin when you go before the lord are you right are you clean absolutely however once that sin is in motion it affects other people like a domino right you guys know how you push a domino well you can't go back and unpush the domino you push it the other dominoes fall listen the obedience that you have in Jesus right now will transcend generations. But understand this, beloved. Hear me right now. The sins that you're committing right now, the lifestyle that you're living will affect your children. It is important that you understand that sin has a weight. And it's not just I confess it to the Lord. No big deal. Listen, there are consequences. And you can, listen, you can be loved and be, you, you are loved, but you can be totally clean in the grace of God, yet the residual effects of your sin carry on. And it's important that we see our sin as weighty. It will never be weightier than the cross. It'll never be weightier than the blood of Jesus. But I'm telling you, when you sin, there are consequences. And unfortunately, all the other people in our life, the people that we love, the people that haven't been born yet, they're the ones that are gonna be affected by that. And you'll get into heaven and you'll be awesome, but you'll look back and you go, oh, man. So don't, don't take sin lightly. When we sin, what happens is we, we, we are in a very real sense, we are forfeiting the fear of the Lord. The only reason why, why we sin, we, when we forfeit the fear of the Lord, that's when we sin. I mean, if you were... I mean, we were all like in worship right now and the presence of the Lord was like heavy and we're like, oh, grace, oh, praise the Lord. And we're thinking, I'll never do that again, right? Come on. And we've had those moments before and we go out and we, oh, we did it again. Whoops, oh, here we are again. I'll never do that again. Well, the problem is, is you left the presence because you would never, quote unquote, feel that and take it into a sinful situation. You, you, you just struggle with lust, right? You're like, oh, man, I'm gonna, you, you would never, like, open up your phone and look at pornography at that moment. You just wouldn't. Because you know that there's something about doing that. You know, I, I remember way back, way back when I was a little daddy. And uh, I remember going to church high one time. And I remember like just being like, and I wasn't, obviously wasn't saved. And I, and I was, I remember just being in church and being like, is something bad going to happen to me? 
And I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the Lord for me to feel that way in that moment. But I remember that there was, there was a fear that I had of the Lord that I should not be in his presence in this state. And you can get very twisted and very backwards. Listen, we, we come to the Lord jacked up and we allow him to do his work in us. But there should be a weightiness about when, when we are living, when we are violating what God's standards are. There should be a weightiness in our life. But it shouldn't stop us from entering in. We should, we should enter in and allow him to break all that junk off our lives, all that power that it has in us. All right, man, I'm just preaching so much today. I'm, I, I don't know if we'll get through this, but we'll try. I, I'm, I'm gonna do a little bit different today. I'm gonna give you all the points and then I'm just gonna preach. You okay with that? These are dominion don'ts. Dominion don'ts. Say dominion don'ts. All right, listen. Because we're really just talking about the presence of the Lord. That's what dominion is. It's just advancing the presence of the Lord. Number one, we don't weaponize the, the presence of the Lord. We don't weaponize it. You'll see in just a minute. We don't over-familiarize the presence of the Lord. We don't trivialize the presence of the Lord. We don't systemize the presence of the Lord. And we don't monetize the presence of the Lord. And we've all seen these things happen. First of all, we don't weaponize the presence of the Lord. So we know last week, the presence of the Lord at the center, the children of God are shouting. The Lord's like, yeah, the wall's gonna fall down. Here it goes, boom. And, and, and we know this is how we fought our battles. But he is not some like bazooka that we have that we're kind of carrying around so when it gets hard, I can launch it. And a lot of times people only, only use the presence of God whenever they're like, I feel like I'm in such a battle, so now I'm gonna worship the Lord. Should you do that? Yes, absolutely. But if that's the only time that you're ever connecting with the Lord is whenever you're discouraged or you're in despair or you've weaponized the presence of the Lord. You're not honoring the Lord in that. So it says in 1 Samuel chapter four, now this is, man, the children of Israel, they, they took dominion over all these cities they're living in the land filled with milk and honey. And, and so the, what happens is the people are just kind of living lawless. So God raises up judges. If you, if you know the book of Judges, what happens is this is the way that God starts ruling. And we're, we're kind of getting, moving away from the children of Israel story because that's basically what happens. They just go and they take dominion over the whole land. And so, so God raises up these judges because they're kind of doing what's right in their own eyes. Woo! <laughs> and he says, well... And they say, well, we're gonna, we're gonna ask the Lord. We wanna be like other nations. We wanna have a king. And God's like, I'm supposed to be the king, right? And so the Lord raises up prophets and sometimes prophets serve also as judges. So there's, there's these leaders in the land. And in 1 Samuel chapter three, it says, the word of the Lord was rare. Whew, come on. I don't ever want that to be our church. I don't want that ever to be my city. I don't ever want that to be my nation. I want the word of the Lord to be plentiful because if we have the word of the Lord, we're gonna have his leadership. And so what happens is the children of Israel just, just kind of battling all this stuff. And in 1 Samuel chapter four, they had these enemies, the Philistines, right? Which they drove out. Well, they, they continually 
are a problem to the children of Israel. They show up, and they're like, they start to fight them off, right? Just because they have what God's promised doesn't mean the enemy's not going to come back and, and try to take it back, because he will. He will try to come and take back what the Lord has given you. So in 1 Samuel chapter 4, now there's this this priest, his name's Eli, and he has these sons, and they're wicked, and, and Eli's also the judge. And so the, the Philistines are coming to war, or, or the, the children of Israel are taking war to them, and so it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 4, it says, the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines, and the Israelites camped in Ebenezer, and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel as the battle spread, and Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. So they just lost a battle. And when the soldiers returned to camp, the children of Israel said, why did the Lord bring defeat upon us before the Philistines? What up, God? Like, why did you let us get defeated? And so this is what they say. Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hands of our enemies. Let's do what Joshua did at Jericho. So the people sent out men to Shiloh and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim. Let's, let's get the Lord there. We'll win. And Eli's two sons, this is very important, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. So these two guys, listen, these guys are rascals. I mean, they, they are creating problems because they're this preacher's kid who are priests. And what's happening is the women that are showing up to the temple to worship or to work or whatever, they're committing adultery with these women. And then they're only supposed to eat certain foods as priests and they're eating all the forbidden food. They have, they have no regard for the things of the Lord. Yet they're running the Lord's house. So they get the idea, hey, let's, let's take the presence of the Lord there. Let's weaponize the presence of the Lord, and then we'll win. And so it says this in verse 5, when the ark of the Lord's covenant came to the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout. We've heard this before. They raised a great shout, that the, such, a, such a great shout that the ground shook. And hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, Why, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? And so they start freaking out. I'm gonna skip some verses. They start freaking out. They're like, oh no, they're coming. Just like they got Jericho. They're gonna come for us. They got the Ark of the Covenant. We know how that goes. What are we gonna do? And they soundly defeat the children of Israel. And it says this in verse 10. The Phil so out of their fear, they fought really hard. And it says, so the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured by unclean people. How does that happen? Well, the glory had departed. They had the thing, they didn't have him. God wasn't with them. They had made what God called holy common. They had weaponized God's presence. Even before this ever happened, instead of being used by God, the children of Israel were using God. 
And we know, listen, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We know the Son of Man came to serve us. But listen, he is not here to serve your purposes. You're here to serve his. And he loves you, beloved, but it's not like, you know, dream a bigger dream and, and do whatever you, I, I don't know where we, how so much of this has crept into the church. Just do you. Where, what are you reading? Because it looks like you're just reading the plaques at Hobby Lobby and not the scriptures. I love Hobby Lobby. You can hobby in the lobby. If you want to, whatever that means. We might have some hobbies. Okay. These guys had the wrong hobby. So, so bad. So, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. Been doing it a long time, but sometimes I forget how to do it. Okay. So chaos ensues. So the children of Israel, like, they lose, the, they lose everything when they lost him. And so the Philistines capture the ark, and they, and they take it away. So as soon as that happens, Eli, their dad, who's like 98 years old, he's blind, he's sitting on a chair. They bring news to him that his, that his sons had died, and they captured the ark of the covenant. He's sitting on a chair, and he falls over, and he dies. And then his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, is pregnant. She goes into labor because of the news. She's freaking out, and she has a baby, and she dies during childbearing. She just dies right there. And the midwife says this. Look, 1 Samuel 2, 21. She named the boy Ichabod. See, don't ever name your kid Ichabod, by the way. <laughs> we call him Icky. It's cute. It's icky, for sure. Listen, she said, she named the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel. Because of the capture of the ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband, she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Why? I believe it's because these two guys, Eli's sons, it says this in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2.21, they were scoundrels or wicked men. And it, it makes this statement, they had no regard for the Lord. So they had weaponized the presence of the Lord. They had familiarized the presence of God, over-familiarized the presence of God. How many times, beloved, and I want to caution you in this, love the presence of the Lord. I love the presence of the Lord. I loved the presence of the Lord way before I loved the Lord. <laughs> I love this moment. And it, it, it doesn't carry a feeling. A lot of times it does. It doesn't always. But I, I remember going to church when I was 18 years old and going to this small Pentecostal church in Odessa, Texas, where it was wild and crazy, but revival was happening. And people weren't concerned about lights. They weren't concerned about the way it sounded. They just wanted the presence of the Lord. And I remember feeling the presence of the Lord when I walked in that room. 
I remember as a lost person raising my hands going, man, something is happening. But after I got saved, it totally changed because I knew the one who was bringing this presence. I knew the one that was producing this, this moment. And I just, man, I, I just, I haven't got used to it yet. And, and I've, I've been around him and I've been, been in worship sets and I've been pressing into worship for like 30 years, but I haven't got used to him yet. I haven't over-familiarized myself yet. And I hope I never do. I, I hope I can never come into a worship service and just be like, I've heard this song before. I don't really care for this song. I wish they used a different word here instead of that word. Pfft. Why am I getting caught up in that? The Holy One is here. I don't ever want to get familiar with his presence. Number three, don't trivialize, trivialize the presence of the Lord. Listen, even though he is freely accessible doesn't mean that his presence is ordinary. Listen, the presence of the Lord is extraordinary every time. Every time there's something on his presence that wasn't there last time. And any time that we treat, let me say it this way, it is common for us to experience the presence of God. Listen, the Lord wants you to experience his presence of God, his presence. He wants you to experience that. Listen, it is common for us to experience the presence of God. It's sin for us to treat him as common. Listen, I love our worship here at Overflow Church. I don't ever want to get used to it. Don't get used to it. Whatever you do, don't get used to the presence of the Lord. It's not the worship. It's not the band. It's, it's not a person. It is a person, but it's not a person on the stage. It's the one that we're hosting. When we talk about this, trivializing the presence of the Lord, listen, Jesus dealt with this. Remember he said, these people honor me with their mouth, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The Lord has a problem. When all we have is lip service, when all we have is the trinket of worship, the toy of worship. It's just setting us up for the message so we can get our hearts soft and be emotional. No. It's all about him. It's, it's, just, it's him. He's the one we want. You say, well, I, I'm not dishonoring the Lord. Listen, to, you know what it means to dishonor? Dishonor just means this, to treat as ordinary. That's all it means. Well, I wasn't dishonoring the Lord. No, but you, you grew like, you, you treat him like he's someone else or something else. You just treat him as common or ordinary. That's dishonor. You gotta put some weight on it to honor it. You gotta put some, when you say his name, you're not like, come on, everybody cry the name of Jesus. You're not going, Jesus, don't do that. Don't say anything. Because you're, you're treating his name just like another word. Get this, the most common biblical description of God. What is it? Love, it's love. It's kindness, it's mercy, it's goodness. Nope. He is all those things. Listen, he is not your homeboy. He is not your pet. He is not your personal trinket or toy or a private genie. He is God. 
He is the untamed, uncreated, uncontainable. His death is un- depth is unfathomable. He is an uncommon God. The word that we use is holy. It's the most common description of the Lord throughout the scriptures is he's holy. More common than love. More common than kind of, listen, he is holy in love. His love is holy. His love is totally uncommon. His kindness is totally uncommon. All those things, all of it comes because he is absolutely unique and unordinary. He is different. That's why when Pastor Nathan was talking about the, the, the people and in the, in the, all the creatures, they weren't, some of them are people, but the creatures, all these, all these things in heaven going, holy, holy. It's because every time they look, they're getting blown away once again. Like, whoa, he's totally different than he was five seconds ago. Well, he wasn't different. Just what you saw was different because you looked again. So if you get bored in worship, look again. Just look again because he's holy and he's uncommon. Well, I know this about the Lord. No, again. So what happens is they capture the ark and they take it into the temple of their God. A holy God in an unholy place. So God does some work. 1 Samuel chapter 5. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it to Ebenezer, to Ashdod, and they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose the next day, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord in worship position. So they're like, well, that's weird. We brought it in, and it fell over. Let's put our God back up where it belongs. So they set it up. Oh, somebody fix it, you know. It's like I walk into the room, I'm like, I just might fix that. Let's fix that, right? It's messed up. So they set it up. The next day, they go in, and it's fallen over again. But this time, Dagon's head and his hands are broken off. Fix that. (laughs) Apparently, they didn't read the instructions inside the ark. Because inside the ark, it says, I'm the only God. Don't have any other gods before me. Don't create any idols of anybody or of anything. Don't misuse my name. I see Christians misuse the name of the Lord all the time. Most of it in their behavior. Okay. But as believers, listen, we're not, we're not keeping the law because it's in a box somewhere. We're keeping it because it's written on our heart. So we don't put idols before the Lord. We revere his name as holy because his instructions are written on our heart. It's so interesting, this God, Dagon. Dadgum, Dagon. So he's a silly God. You say, oh, people don't worship silly gods. I think we have a picture of Dagon, don't we? So this is Dagon. He's missing an arm because the Lord took it, but we put his head back on so you could see. So this is an, an old picture of Dagon. This is what they assume that he looked like. Obviously, he's a false God. He's not real, but he's a fish God. I mean, why are you keeping that around? 
It's so weird. And we say, people don't worship silly gods. Have you read the news lately? <laughs> Have you, like, looked on Instagram lately? Like, people worship silly gods. I think that Dagon probably looks more like this. Do we have this other one? <laughs> right? This <laughs> God. <laughs> right? I'm not, I'm not afraid of Dagon. I'll, I'll be very disrespectful and dishonoring to Dagon. Irreverent towards Dagon. All right, you can change that. Everybody's going back to their childhood for a moment. You say, well, people don't worship silly gods. People do worship silly gods. And the silliest God they worship is I. The greatest idolatry is idolatry. See, an idol is anything that gets more attention or more affection than God. And today, even people more than loving their families and loving their spouse and loving romance, they're way more in love with themselves. In our great big selfie world where everybody wants to hear what I have to say. And my value will be found in how many people will affirm that. You got an idol. And that idol will not stand in the presence of God. The God of self. If I, if I had a different title for this message, it would have been dominion over self. The God of self. People are devoted to themselves. They follow themselves. They follow their dreams. They buy all the books that say self-improvement. They do all the diets. They do all the gym time, all this. Why? So they can look a little better for themselves, so they can feel good about themselves. And there is a healthy balance, beloved. There is a healthy balance. But I feel like in this hour, we need to swing way over here because the culture is like way over there. It's all about the way you feel, all about your desires. The most important thing is your feelings and how people feel. The truth, not really so much because it might hurt people's feelings, and feelings are more important. Is that true? We've got all these ideologies. So when we think about what God broke off here of Dagon, two things. It's interesting. He broke off his head, and he broke off his heads. He broke off his headship, his authority, he had no more. Listen, as soon as they took that Ark of the Covenant into Dagon's temple, it became God's. And he will have no other gods before him. And when you brought him in, he takes the authority off of the God that's there. And he takes off the hands. He takes off the works of that other God. And listen, God right now in this hour, and I believe Overflow Church, hear me out today. God is taking off the headship of you. His headship. His lordship. That's what we want. I don't want what I want. I want what he wants. He's the head. He's the head. So John the Baptist, you guys remember John the Baptist? We love John the Baptist. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest man up to that point that ever lived. Then he said anyone's in the kingdom is greater. But this is, you know what his testimony was? He must become greater. I must become less. And I feel like 
I feel like in this hour, what we've done is we've tried to make Jesus as tangible as we possibly can, to make him small enough that he can fit in our pocket or on our wrist or something that we just check into one day a week. And we wonder why there is no power. It's because you, you do not revere him. You do not honor him for who he is. And you wonder why your marriage is falling apart. And you wonder why you can't get victory over sin is because the Jesus that you have is a powerless Jesus because it's not the Jesus that we read of in scriptures. And Paul dealt with this too. He's like, they're preaching a different Jesus. He's different. Listen, the Jesus I serve is holy and he has incredible standards. So much more, so much, his standards are so much higher than what the law required. He said, if you even think about lust, if you haven't carry anger in your heart, you've committed murder. I mean, he is serious about his standards, but he's also serious about his affections and he's serious about his love because his love is uncommon. His affections are uncommon. So I wanna ask you today, will you decrease and allow Jesus to be your headship? We allow him to disarm your works, your dead works your efforts, and allow him to put his work, his work of righteousness into your life. See, one of the reasons why worship is so freeing, and, and, and I, I could even say this, one of the reasons why worship is so intoxicating is because Jesus is seated at the right place of our hearts and our minds, is that we get in that moment and we are putting our absolute attention and affection. And so you're like, wow, it's so good. Worship was so good today. Right? Well, what, all, you, all you did is you just got a clear view. You just, you just looked at him a little longer. You just spent a little bit more time gazing at him. That's why those moments are so powerful. And so what happens is in those moments, we yield to his authority. We take off our headship. We don't focus on our works. We're just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm I love how Pastor Nathan started worship off today. He's like, we just think of the cross. The cross disarmed the works of the enemy. The cross disarmed the works of your flesh. And beloved, we need to get back to this place of reverence and the fear of the Lord. Because I feel like that we forgot who he really is. He's not, he's not here to make us happy. He will. Oh, he will. There's no one more fulfilling than him. Oh, he will. Oh, he'll fill your heart so full. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll give you a reservoir. Oh, he will. But he's saying, will you come? and allow me to break off every headship in your life that isn't mine. And allow me to break off every work of your hand and the hand of the enemy that isn't mine. God is breaking off dead works. We're gonna get into this a couple of weeks. But number four is don't systemize the presence of God. And this is kind of what's happening. They're like, okay, if we get the ark here, you know, if we play the song, if we play that song, walls will fall down. And so we know when David goes back, and we'll get into this in a couple of weeks, David goes back and brings the Ark of the Covenant back. 
and they put it on a cart. That's not, that's not the way you carry the ark. Well, I'm just going to do things my way. That doesn't go so well. Because the presence of God was never meant to be carried on arks or on carts. The presence of God was meant to be carried on the shoulders of priests. You're priests. I'm a priest. He's meant to rest on our shoulders. He's, we're not to touch. We're not to get involved. We're not to manipulate. We're not to weaponize. We're not to systemize. And the Lord told me very clearly a couple years ago, I was sitting on my porch where he loves to speak to me, and I was sitting there. I was like, Lord, why am I so frustrated? And you know what he said? He said, get your hands off of it. And I was like, who? Yes, sir. Get your hands off of it. And then now I'm not near as, I still get frustrated. Mostly when I get my hands on it. And what happens, and this is one of the problems that, that we've got into in this age in our society, is we've really got into, we've really overemphasized systems to where we treat the presence of the Lord like he's a system. Even when I came to the Lord, we had this thing, well, we gotta do the worship, and then we gotta do the preaching because the worship prepares the people for the word. And does worship prepare people for the word? Absolutely, it prepares people for the word. But we thought, well, you gotta do this thing, you gotta sing the songs, the right songs, so get the right emotion, so now that the guy can get up and speak. Now, I believe the word prepares me for worship. You'll have no other gods. Don't systemize. Listen, don't systemize the presence of the Lord. If you know the story that they're carrying it on a, on a uh, cart, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart, back, da David's not there yet. He ordered it to be brought back. He goes in and captures it. We'll get into this later. It's a beautiful story. And this guy named Yuza reaches out, starts to fall over, and he's like, oh, I better protect the Lord. I'll take care of God's branding. God don't need a rebrand. Come on. And he reaches up and he touches it and he dies because you're not permitted to touch that. It's not meant to be touched with your hands. It's meant to rest on your shoulders. The presence of the Lord is meant, he's meant to rest on your shoulders, to rest on your shoulders and you allow the weight of the Lord to come down and then he begins to crush everything that is opposed to his kingdom as he rests. This is what dominion looks like. Resting on your shoulder, not systemize. Let's just bring it in. Let's do the thing. And lastly, not to monetize the presence of the Lord. Jesus dealt with that when he walks into the temple. He's like, they're out here making money. Nothing wrong with making money, but you're doing it at the temple and you've changed the purposes of God to fit your budget or your lack thereof. Beloved, we've got to return to the fear of the Lord.